We are back. It is day four of the Locked On Podcast Network 2019 NFL Mock Draft. I am your co-host, Brian Peacock, regularly host of Locked On 49ers. And with me, once again, the man you know and love here as your host of Locked On NFL, Matt Williamson. He is a former NFL scout, and uh, he's helping us break down all of these selections. We are already done with 20 picks in this mock draft. We are starting now with pick 21. The Seattle Seahawks are on the clock. But, Matt, before we get on to the Seahawks and pick 21, we're going 21 to 26 on today's show before we finish the mock draft up on tomorrow's Friday episode. But uh, let's run through those first 20 picks again, just really quickly to remind the listeners what happened early on in this mock. Number one, Arizona Cardinals selecting Nick Bosa, Quinnen Williams, two to the 49ers, Josh Allen to the Jets at three, Devin White, linebacker LSU to the Oakland Raiders at four. Then the first big trade in this mock draft, the Bengals moving up to get Kyler Murray at five overall. In front of the New York Giants, who selected Rashawn Gary at six. Jacksonville Jaguars take TJ Hawkinson, tight end out of Iowa at seven. Detroit Lions, Ed Oliver at eight. Brian Burns to the Bills at nine. Devin Bush to the Broncos. Number 11, Tampa Bay, after trading down with the Cincinnati Bengals, take Christian Wilkins at 11. Green Bay Packers, their first selection of this mock, taking Montez Sweat at 12. Dwayne Haskins, second quarterback off the board to the Dolphins at 13. Juwan Taylor to the Falcons. Cleveland Farrell to Washington at 15. Carolina Panthers at 16, selecting Jonah Williams. New York Giants taking Dexter Lawrence out of Clemson at 17. The run on offensive linemen continuing on day three. Vikings take Andre Dillard. The Titans take Garrett Bradbury. And we left off with the Pittsburgh Steelers taking the first cornerback in this mock, Greedy Williams out of LSU at number 20 overall. So now we are at pick 21, the Seattle Seahawks on the clock. Where could the Seahawks go here? We talked about the best available. No wide receivers have been selected yet. Still a couple of offensive linemen worth drafting here at the end of the first round. Byron Murphy, a guy you liked for the Steelers, still out there on the board. Uh, Still some very talented players left in this mock draft. Yeah, there absolutely are. And really what we saw in those first 19 picks were two quarterbacks, you know, and and certainly there could be more. A lot of front seven talent that affects the passing game, including two linebackers, the Devons, Bush, and White, that are very good in coverage and rangy guys and pass rushers. And then we saw a run on offensive linemen on our last show, which I think is a really good chance to happen. But that leaves a lot of defensive backs and a lot of wide receivers on the board And I could see the Seahawks going either way. I mean, they they, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, they're no longer there. There's no, the Legion of Boom is not the same. They too need pass rushers. A guy like Jerry Tillery would make some sense. Um, They need some edge help as well. Um, Doug Baldwin's been dealing with injuries. They could use a wide receiver. So there's a lot of directions this team could go. Absolutely, and it's a team that's sort of trying to rebuild as they contend, and it looks like Seattle might be ready to select there, and we will jump to the Seahawks' war room momentarily. Let's check back in with Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino of Draft News to recap what we saw on day three of this mock draft. Well, yesterday was all about the trenches, which is important because we always hear football games are won up front, and a lot of teams went through and solidified their offensive and defensive line, starting with the Atlanta Falcons getting offensive tackle Jawan Taylor, 
the Redskins getting edge rusher Cleveland Farrell from Clemson, the Panthers getting things right in front of Cam Newton with Jonah Williams offensive tackle from Alabama. The Giants did not pick a quarterback with either of their first round picks going for Dexter Lawrence, the defensive tackle from Clemson. The Vikings get the offensive tackle position improved with Andre Dillard, arguably the best pass blocker in the class. The Titans get the interior offensive line solidified with Garrett Bradbury, the center from NC State. And then the Steelers, they're the one team that didn't pick an offense or defensive lineman. They go with the cornerback, Greedy Williams from LSU. Maybe he slid a little further than maybe some people thought, but Pittsburgh has had a big need at cornerback for a while. They've missed on several picks. And Greedy Williams, the next dart they're going to try to throw to get a good cornerback draft. This is where things get really interesting because you have several teams that have needs at offensive skill players, and there's skill players on the board. We've seen Drew Locke has fallen. Will somebody trade up and, and target Drew Locke in this draft? DK Metcalf, Hakeem Butler, uh, Nikhil Harry, Noah Fant. These are all names that are still on the board. You look at the Baltimore Ravens need pass catchers. The Raiders have upgraded their skill players, but you couldn't fault them if they went that direction. The Philadelphia Eagles, the Indianapolis Colts, the Raiders on the clock again. So going to be lots of turnover here, and I think we'll see the end of some of these slides for offensive skill players in this year's draft. Yeah, let's kick it over to Trevor and Ben from Lockdown NFL Draft for more reaction. Day four of this Locked On Mock Draft. Really excited about this one. We've got a lot of really interesting teams that could go a lot of different ways here on day four. Seattle Seahawks could go both sides of the ball. The Baltimore Ravens, are they finally going to get an offensive weapon uh, that can stick around for a while? Houston, what are they doing there? Oakland's got the first of a couple picks here. Your Eagles come on the clock, and then everything you know, Chris Ballard does with the Indianapolis Colts. You're never sure if he's a guy who's going to make a pick, who's going to move back how he's going to orchestrate the draft. Ben, which one of these teams are you most looking forward to here on day four? I mean, listen, the two follow-up picks for Oakland, they go for Devin White, and now it's 24 and it's 27. This is the most interesting team in the draft in terms of having three first-round picks, having a new GM in Mike Mayock, and having so many needs that they do have. So you look at players like Josh Jacobs, who's available for them. You look at mm-hmm. some of the corners in this class in terms of Byron Murphy, who's still available. You look at some offensive line help. Obviously, Donald Penn, Calicchio, Assembly both gone. You saw players like Dalton Reisner, Chris Lindstrom, and Cody Ford all on the board. Very excited to see where Oakland goes with their last two first-round picks. We've still got Hakeem Butler, Nikhil Harry, and DK Metcalf on the board. And if the Ravens pass on one of them, if the Ravens don't go wide receiver, I think I'm going to lose it, Ben. Like, are they? Can, can they please? Can you please just tell me that the Ravens are going to get an offensive weapon? Lamar Jackson hasn't had a good wide receiver in his entire career, from what I understand. Let's his primary target at Louisville just is Jalen NFL Smith. career or uh, no, <laughs> no, no, no. We include. We're including college. His yeah. primary weapon was Jalen Smith. Sure. Do you remember watching Jalen Smith at the Senior Bowl? So I they do. need. He needs a weapon badly. He needs a wide receiver one. Yep. No, I, I think so, too. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be pounding the desk. I'll call the phone myself to make sure this happens. Brian, we're going to kick it back to you to get us started. Okay, here we are. We are ready. Pick 21. The first selection here on day four of the Locked On Podcast Network 2019 NFL Mock Draft. Let's jump to the Seahawks draft room. Jeff Floyd with the selection. This is Jeff Lloyd, host of the Locked On Browns podcast. Uh, obviously, as the Cleveland Browns don't have a selection in this draft, in this first round, I'll take over for the Seattle Seahawks who need a little assistance here. So with pick 21 in the Locked On NFL mock draft, the Seattle Seahawks select Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, versatile defensive back 
nickel safety out of the University of Florida. Um, great range. Um, once he was brought closer to the line of scrimmage, um, it really excelled and uh, had him take off as a player. Um, very, you know, he takes his angles very well. His pursuit angles excellent with that. Um, he sh- does show some ability where he can still play deeper in coverage, creates a lot of contact on impact, able to separate the ball of a receiver w- without much issue. He's very good in that respect. Um, he's a better zone defender than he is a man defender. Sometimes gets caught by double moves, but look, you know, the way these, some of these athletes are nowadays, you can kind of understand that. That's something he's going to work with. A uh, quick athlete guy. Footwork is fantastic. Um, improved tackler as he was given the big nickel roll in 18. He played a little deeper, uh, you know, 10 to 12 yards off the line of scrimmage in 17. Now that he is closer to the line of scrimmage in 18, you know, more the, uh, you know, the 5 to 10 yard range showed very well. Tight ends, running backs, and he was able to take them down with ease. Um, easy selection here for a team facing, facing three young, strong signal callers year in, year out in the NFC West. Now that you have Russell Wilson taken care of, a uh, wide receiver could have been something you would address. Um, just the way the board stacks here, it's not really the best avenue for them to go. Plus, Seattle's never really made their living going that high on the wide receiver position. They'll get some help there with a bunch of running backs, but the biggest issue with this this team was in the secondary and in the safety position. Um, it needed really a jolt and a lightning bolt, and you're going to get that with a young man with the capabilities of Chauncey Gardner-Johnson at the University of Florida, the 21st selection in the locked-on NFL draft to the Seattle Seahawks. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Uh, he's got a lot of, it's a mouthful of a name to say, super athletic <laughs> player. Uh, he can cover. He's got range as a safety. He could play a little cornerback as well. And I think he's a player that absolutely fits what the Seahawks like to do. And so I think the scheme fit is where this pick makes the most sense. Yeah, I mentioned, you know, Chancellor and Thomas are gone. I would say he's closer to Chancellor than Thomas, but he's not a killer linebacker like Chancellor was. I mean, he can play the slot. He has a little more man coverage skills, more of a modern-day version, but he also can play deep. I mean, he's a versatile guy, and there's a lot of those. There's a lot of the you know the safety class. There's three or four at the top that can do a lot of things well, and he's every bit as good as any of them. So it's a position need. Again, I think it's a pretty safe pick. There's a lot of things he can contribute on this defense. 21 might be a smidge early for him, but I can understand it. We heard from Travis Wingfield, the host of Locked on Dolphins, making the selection of Dwayne Haskins at pick 13 earlier on in this mock. He is our defensive backs expert, and there haven't been a ton of DBs selected yet in this mock, but we might have a run happening right now. Let's jump to Travis, who's going to break down the pick of Chauncey Gardner-Johnson to Seattle. Thank you, Brian. And it is definitely now the post-Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas era in Seattle. Bradley McDougal had a nice year in 2019, and the Seahawks looked to pair him with a top safety off the board in this year's class, and they got it right with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. The Florida product is versatile as all get out. He can play the single high center field role of your defense, now vastly vacated by Earl Thomas. He can come down and cover the slot, and that's actually his best trait at Florida, playing that sticky man coverage in what is the toughest position on the defense at slot cornerback. He has explosive change of direction skills, whether it's in the backpedal, going laterally, or pulling his trigger and going forward. He's 5'11", 207 pounds. He leaves Gainesville with nine career picks in three seasons, and there should be no questions about his ability or willingness to come down and tackle as he made nine tackles for loss in addition to three sacks last season, so you also know he can blitz off the edge. If you want to see him at his best, check out his tape against Michigan last season. A terrific pick here for the Seattle Seahawks. That brings us to 
the Baltimore Ravens. And Matt, I got to believe if you look at every mock draft that's happened this offseason, it's been a wide receiver to the Baltimore Ravens and all of they have their choice of every wide receiver in the draft. We heard the guys mention it earlier and the board could not have fallen better for Baltimore here. This has got to be the end of the fall for one of those guys, whether it's your favorite guy, Butler, who I also like, he's my number two or DK Metcalf. Yeah, you would think. I mean, I mentioned on the last show that the Vikings at 18, the Texans who are on deck at 23, almost seem like it's a sure slam dunk to take best offensive lineman available. And I think the Ravens are in a very similar situation. Sure, they could use a little O-line. They could use edge help. They need a replacement for Mosley. But their wide receiver depth chart, holy smokes, is it a disaster right now. And considering how they play football with Lamar Jackson – they're going to have to draft their receivers. I mean, free agent wideouts are not going to want to go to Baltimore and not catch passes. So this is going to be a trend. They're going to have to use draft picks on receivers. I would think you'd want bigger guys, wide catching radiuses for a not-so-accurate quarterback. And I mentioned that I like Butler more than Metcalf because I think he does more things. But one thing about Metcalf over Butler in this situation is he's a good blocker. I mean, all they do is run the ball. Metcalf's a killer in the run game as a blocker. Maybe that would be the, the you know the deciding factor between the two. You got to help out your young quarterback in Lamar Jackson, and the pick is in. Let's jump to the Baltimore Ravens war room and get the selection at number twenty-two. We are here in the Baltimore Ravens war room, sitting at pick number twenty-two. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. Uh, Baltimore is in a really interesting situation. They do not own a second-round pick. Uh, this first pick is going to be very crucial for them. They've got a lot of needs on both sides of the ball. So let's kind of just go ahead and discuss some of the options that the Ravens potentially have. Um, you know, we, we very easily could be looking at the interior of the offensive line. Uh, we know they got some some tackles they really like with with Roddy Stanley and Orlando Brown. Marshall Yonda's coming back. But could they look to continue to add to that unit knowing how much they're going to run the ball? I think that's possible. Uh, Dalton Reisner from Kansas State makes some sense. Uh, Chris Lindstrom from Boston College can play either guard or center. I think that's an option as well. Uh, We know that Baltimore likes to add to the secondary. Um, I think they're pretty good at cornerback right now with with Jimmy Smith and uh, Brandon Carr and the rest of those guys, I, I think they're okay right there. Safety, obviously, they have Tony Jefferson and Earl Thomas sitting pretty well in the secondary. At linebacker, I don't see a player here that could come in and make an impact. Uh, both Devin Bush and Devin White are off the board. Uh, they need somebody to replace C.J. Mosley, uh, but I don't see a player here that's uh, of quality. If Ozzie Newsom was still here, I think Mac Wilson from Alabama would be the pick, but he's not. Uh, so I think they're going to go in a different direction. Uh, we know that Baltimore needs help with receivers. They need um, they need to get a number one, and frankly, they need even even need a number two. There's just not a lot of talent at that position. Uh, so I'm kind of looking at two players between DK Metcalf and Akeem Butler. Both of those guys are big play down the field threat receivers. Uh, Metcalf has a little bit more speed. Butler is a bigger body and maybe has the bigger catch radius. I think the the perception would be that Metcalf is the better fit. Uh, but I kind of like Butler just because he gives uh, a quarterback just a massive, massive target down the field. I think he can give you a, a little bit more in between the middle of the field as well. I would think he's a little bit tougher. He runs a, a bigger route tree. Uh, so if you're deciding between Metcalf and Butler, it, it, 
it's kind of a horse apiece. It, whatever you think. I personally like Butler better. I think he's the better pick. Uh, so with the 22nd pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the Baltimore Ravens select wide receiver Hakeem Butler from Iowa State. Fantastic pick. Now they can look in the second and third round, or excuse me, the third and fourth round to grab some more depth on defense. Butler should instantly solve their need at wide receiver. Uh, an A-plus draft so far for the Baltimore Ravens. So there goes your guy. Hakeem Butler was the first wide receiver selected in this mock draft. He's a popular player to the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, he gets swiped up at number 22 overall. First, Matt, I want to get your thoughts, but let's go to Travis Wingfield, who's breaking down wide receivers for us here. Uh, he's going to take a look at Hakeem Butler out of Iowa and how he fits in with the Ravens in this mock draft. Thanks, Brian. The Ravens make a pick here to replace some of the lost production by way of John Brown and Michael Crabtree as Willie Sneed is now the top producer remaining in the receiver's room. And they take the top receiver on their board with Hakeem Butler out of Iowa State. Butler plays the game above the rim with elite high-pointing traits. He's a physical rebounder that can play in the red zone and the middle of the field. His understanding of leverage and angles to the football often puts him in position to give his quarterback a massive target in the middle of the field. The challenge for Butler will be speeding up his footwork and exploding through the top of the route. A problem guys his size often run into is relying on the big frame to create a target rather than perfecting the craft of creating separation with fluidity throughout the route. He's nearly uncoverable on the back shoulder throw, and if you want to see him at his best, go back to the Alamo Bowl when he made a pretty good Washington State secondary look like a JV squad. Butler's production came primarily from his final season, his junior season at Iowa State, when he caught 60 passes for 1,318 yards and nine touchdowns. He's six foot six, 225 pounds, and provides a considerable complement to the brand of football the Ravens want to play under Lamar Jackson. So Matt, Hakeem Butler, your guy, he went to the Ravens at 22, DK Metcalf, and all of the rest of the wide receivers still on the board. And yeah, that catch radius, I love that. Uh, he can block people. I've seen him put multiple DBs on the ground as mm-hmm. a blocker. And if you're just allowing yourself to dream and what a player could become, and I know there are some finer points that Hakeem Butler has to improve upon in the NFL, but his wow plays are like, there's nobody in the in the league that can do what he does right now. Right, he... Drops are a problem with him, but it's not like he fights the football. I think he has some concentration lapses because, like you mentioned, I mean, he has great ball skills and goes up and makes the wow plays. Uh, He isn't the bad blocker. I mentioned that before. I think Metcalf was the better blocker. But in terms of Lamar Jackson, what's the better fit for him? I hadn't thought about this until I just made the pick is – He's much better throwing inside the numbers, where Butler's much better on in-breaking routes than Metcalf. You know, Metcalf's an outside-the-numbers, go up and get it, run fast in a, in a straight line, where Butler's a much more refined route runner over the middle and those type of things. So uh, I like this pick a lot. And, and last show I mentioned, you know, that uh, I do a lot of work with the Steelers, and I've said several times on those airwaves that – if you don't take Butler at 20 Pittsburgh, there's a really good chance you're going to pay, play against them twice a year in Baltimore. <laughs> That's a really good point. <laughs> and uh, let's, uh, so yeah, let's, standing by here, the Locked On NFL Draft Desk, Trevor Sikama and Ben Solak. Let's check in with those guys and see how they feel about 21 and 22 so far here on day four. All right, Trevor and Ben from the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, back with you to recap picks number 21 and 22 of the Locked On Mock Draft. And Ben, it happened. It 
happen. The Ravens, all right, I know we're going out of order here, but I'm really excited. The Ravens at 22 went Hakeem Butler. They did it. They got Lamar Jackson, an actual wide receiver. What do you think about Hakeem Butler being that first wide receiver they go with? It's the most swag between a quarterback-wide receiver combo that the league may have ever seen, Trevor. Oh, wow. Ever? Ever? Butler Butler and Jackson together is just going to be a hoot and a holler to watch. They're both incredible personalities, and they're fun guys. Butler, before Metcalf, would surprise me come the day because I think that you know, it's not like a player's in a different mold than Metcalf. I think they're in a similar mold in how they win. And Metcalf has been more successful there and obviously a great tester as well. But listen, if it's what you like, then it's what you like. If you think it's what fits for you. Wide receiver drafting is all about roles. Mm-hmm. Hakeem Butler must fill the, the role that the uh, that the Ravens want. I really like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson at 21 to the Seahawks. So yeah. makes a lot of sense what they like out of their, their secondary players. Very versatile, really rangy, great ball skills. I think it's huge for them now that Earl Thomas is gone. Yeah, not only Earl Thomas, but Coleman as well, right? Right? And so there, there's different areas of, of their defense that they've really got to replace. They've got to start that life after the Legion of Boom kind of a thing. And I can't think of a player in this class if they're going secondary that kind of fits that better than Chauncey Garner-Johnson because, you know, you mentioned there with Earl Thomas, they have a free safety need. Chauncey Garner-Johnson can't play that. They also have uh, somewhat of a nickel need. And Chauncey gives you that opportunity to maybe play two different safeties, walk him down to the box, play a little bit of nickel cornerback too. And so we saw all kinds of roles from Chauncey when he was playing at Florida. I think he's one of the best, if not the best, mismatch neutralizing defensive piece in this draft class. So I think the Seattle gets a good one. They take a step forward and recovering from that, that legion of boom and getting to a different life after that turn in the page. And so uh, two great picks there. We're excited for what's happening next. Thanks fellas. The Houston Texans selection coming up next. We're going through pick 27 on today's show. And remember to get this show every day, subscribe to locked on NFL on the new Himalaya podcast app in an ever expanding podcast world. You need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked On NFL. All right, that brings us to the Houston Texans. And uh, they've got some good wide receivers already in-house. They've got, uh, I think, the obvious need here, sort of like we talked about with the Ravens and, and how bad their depth chart was at wide receiver. The Houston Texans, for multiple seasons now, have had a rough go on the offensive line. They really got to protect their young quarterback. Are there any offensive linemen worth the selection at 23 for Houston here? Um, We've seen a run on them, so I think it's a little thin, and it might be a little bit of a reach, but Cody Ford would make a lot of sense to me. Dalton Risner is still out there. Um, Tackle would be certainly favored more than guard or center. Watson's been getting hit at an alarming rate. And some of that's the way he plays and the way they design offense with longer developing route combinations. But again, I think this is going to be one of the most boring picks of the draft in that you better take the best lineman available here, whoever you think it is, because otherwise you're going to be in trouble. Cody Davis standing by with the pick in the Texans draft room. Is it just that simple? Best O-line available. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? I am Cody Davis, and to my right is... John, some sports guy, Hickman. And we are the hosts of the Locked On Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We have some exciting news regarding the 23rd pick for the Houston Texans, so I'm going to let my co-host, John, take it away. Thank you very much, Cody. Right now, we are in the draft room for the Locked On Podcast Network, sitting at 23. We're at the 23rd pick. What I wanted to do initially was give a call-up to the New York Giants. Why? 
where Jonah Williams was off the board at 16. He went to the Carolina Panthers, and Taylor went to the Atlanta Falcons at 14. So that left one guy left on our draft board that I had really high, which was Andre Dillard. But since we did not make that trade, the 23rd to 17th swap and also give up the third round pick to the New York Giants, didn't want to give up a second round pick because we want to address our cornerback position. I like Love out of Notre Dame. We did not do that, so we stayed at 23. The guys that we had really high on our draft board, as of everybody else, they're all gone. So you have to still address your need for your team. I don't think that you go with best player available. You go best player available for your need. Cody, the 312 right tackle out of Kansas State, Dalton Reisner, will be a Houston Texan. Why? For us, personally, I love what he brings to the game. Strong, versatile, and durable. He played center his freshman year. The last couple years, he started 24 games at right tackle. The big game against Mississippi State this year, when he played against Montez Sweat, who went number 12 in our mock draft to the Green Bay Packers, he only held him to one sack. That's huge, considering he's coming to a team in the last two years, has given up over 110 sacks in the last three years at right tackle, I know, but at the last three years, he's only given up three sacks at Kansas State. I believe Dalton can come into the organization and start day one at right tackle. There are some things that we have to worry about, and there are some things that I like. Number one, you always give the bad news first. He can come out of his stance and lean in a little bit. He can do that, and his feet are not as quick as we would like him. So I don't predict that he will be transitioning over to left tackle anytime soon. Not that it won't happen, but just not immediately. However, what I do like about him, like I said before, he's strong. He will move you and he will move mountains. He's a big guy and he has great hands at the point of attack. Like I said, you don't always go with best available. Sometimes you go with best available for your need. The Texans need a guy like Reisner. Welcome to the Houston Texans. I am happy to have Dalton Reisner on our roster now. And there was best offensive lineman available. Dalton Reisner, a player I like, doesn't wow you physically, but a tough guy and just really good, could play multiple positions for your offense. For the Texans, he's going to play offensive tackle. He played right tackle for Kansas State very well. Has that physical demeanor, smart player. He has all of those attributes that really good offensive linemen have, but he's not a player that's going to wow you physically. He's just solid across the board. He's one of those guys where you're going to plug him in. He's going to play for a very long time for you. It's a good pick, I think, for the Texans. Let's get more information on who Dalton Reisner is from our offensive line expert, Ryan Tracy. At 23, the Houston Texans get the grinder they were looking for in drafting Dalton Reisner out of Kansas State. Reisner's been an up-and-down prospect this pre-draft season, and a lot of debate has gone into can he stay outside a tackle, or is he a best fit inside at the guard position? And that's really what it comes down to. At the guard, he is able to use all of his refined skills to get down the field and make an impact. He is a technician with his hands, is very violent with them, and uses leverage to work in the run game to an utmost level. In the pass game, we see that there are a couple of hiccups that get involved with his footwork that allow some pass rushers to get to his outside shoulder, get that corner turned, and allow him to make his quarterback susceptible. If allowed to develop at the interior guard spot, Reisner shows the athleticism to go along with Quentin Nelson drafted last season and the nasty streak to match him. All right, I like it. A right tackle in college, he's played some center. He could play guard, I think, for you. Just get a good, tough player, and you can't go wrong. It's, again, it's one of those doubles, and maybe even not even a double yeah. off the wall. Maybe it's just a, a dink of a double off the line, but you got to protect your quarterback. 
checking that box at the Senior Bowl really helps teams so they could see him play against some other competition. But a longtime starter, a captain, just one of those really safe players that might not be a home run, might not wow you, but a good football player. Yeah, it brings a little nastiness, too. You mentioned Mm -hmm. the versatility. I mean, he's not a dancing bear, a tackle, but a a valuable lesson that I learned when I was a scout in the NFL, and I very much believe in it, is because there is a shortage of offensive linemen, if you have the baseline athletic abilities and you're tough and you're smart, and people don't give offensive linemen enough credit for being the mental side of the game, being smart, you're really hard to get off the field. If you have those two qualities – toughness smarts you usually have a very long career you can play multiple positions and that's exactly what the texans need they need one of those guys maybe two or three of those guys up front that's a great point and when you see busts at the offensive line position it's usually not the smart tough guys that's that bust Mm -hmm. it's the players that they had that athleticism or some wow size that was off the charts and it sort of masked some other deficiencies and you really got to want it you really got to like that grind of being an offensive lineman and love everything about playing ball. And I think uh, they got that kind of a guy here at 23. Yeah, exactly. I think that's well said. And by the way, an interesting nugget there, the New York Giants didn't want to play ball, not interested in moving back from 17 to 23 for a third rounder, which would have made a lot of sense for the Texans to move up and try to get the best pass protector they can. The Raiders on the clock, pick 24, your boy Q standing by in the locked on Raiders draft room. The second selection so far for the Raiders going back to day one at number four overall, he selected Devin White, linebacker out of LSU. Uh, What do you think the Raiders do here? They still have a lot of needs on this completely rebuilding team uh they 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 did some things in uh, it's a weird situation for the Raiders because they traded off assets last year got a bunch of draft picks and then this year they almost went all back in on free agency to try to win sooner while they rebuild I I just really can't get a, a grip on what the Raiders are doing and how they should attack this draft it's interesting where this where they sit here with the 24 selection they're still Every quarterback you want except for two. I mean, if they, I don't know that they're enamored with Carr. I think they should make Carr um, a great audition in 2019 with a lot more around them. But, you know, I could see the, the argument for going and grabbing Locke or Jones or Greer or somebody like that here. You got to remember you pick three picks from now. Um, you have your choice of running backs. That, uh, to me, would obviously be Josh Jacobs, and that would make some sense. Uh, a pick I keep suggesting they make in this neighborhood, either at 24 or 27, is the defensive lineman out of Mississippi State, Simmons, who might miss this entire year. But if he were healthy and a clean prospect, probably goes in the top 10. And Raiders fans, you're not winning the Super Bowl this year. you know. So if you redshirt a guy like that for the year, you may really have something you know, com- uh, combined with some more young talent up front. And I've brought up Byron Murphy a few times, too, the corner. I, I think he would be a tremendous fit and, again, a very safe, quality player. Well, let's go to your boy Q in the Raiders draft room. See if they select a guy because, you know, you're picking again at pick 27. you got to pick the player that you know for sure is not going to get there. So we'll see who that is for the Raiders at 24. 
All right, here we are, second time in round one, back in the Raiders' war room, back in the Raiders' draft room. A lot of good talent has been off the board, been taken off the board already. Thought about trading up a couple times, but really should not do that. Got to have as many picks as possible. If anything, maybe trade back a couple times, but no, I don't think that that's going to be the, the case either, at least not for round one. Cleveland Farrell to the Redskins at 15. That was a really good pick. Thought he was going to drop. Thought I had a chance of grabbing him, possibly at number 24. Steelers grabbing Greedy Williams at number 20. That was really, really good. Uh, the Texans, just a second ago, grabbing Dalton Reisner. Offensive lineman from K-State, that's a good pickup as well. Another guy that was in consideration. Montez Sweat, think he went off the board a little high to the Packers at number 12, but we'll see how that shakes out. So there's a lot of good talent that has already came off the board. There's some talent that I'm looking at at the defensive side of the ball that I really want to pull the trigger on right now, but I do believe if I pull the trigger on that defensive guy right now, the team sitting right behind me, the Philadelphia Eagles, will go make a pick for a guy that I want at 27 and not 24. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to flip things up and I'm going to surprise everybody. I'm going to shock everybody. I'm not going to address the defensive side of the ball like, well, everyone's expecting me to do. I'm going to go ahead and go with the offensive side of the ball. I'm going to give another weapon to Derek Carr and that John Gruden offense. I'm going to go with Josh Jacobs, running back out of Alabama, and here's why. He is a guy who will fit really well in the zone blocking scheme that the team is running. He, unlike most backs from Alabama, has not been the workhorse, not been the bell cow, doesn't have a lot of wear and tear on his body. He's very Alvin Kamara-like. Imagine this. Imagine having Antonio Brown on the outside and having Alvin Kamara as your running back. And, oh, by the way, he's not the only running back in the stable for the Raiders. So this guy is a guy that's not going to be forced to carry the rock every single time. You know, he's not going to have to be that guy. He's a guy who can catch the ball and run the ball really, really well. He's got really good run after the catch. He could be a home run. He could be a home run every time he touches the ball. You think you got Antonio Brown out there. You got Tyrell Williams. Derek Carr has all of a sudden got a big smile on his face thinking, wow, this is the most talent I've had around me in a very, very long time. Could go with Noah Fant, the tight end out of Iowa. Could go with him and give the Raiders another weapon there you saw how how well Jared Cook and and uh, Derek Carr got along in 2018 but right now I think the bigger difference maker would be Josh Jacobs running back out of Alabama and I think if I don't pick him right here I think Philadelphia picks him right behind me I think that definitely puts a nail in the in the coffin as far as Marshawn Lynch returning in, in 2019 and that's fine because this team needs to start building for the future not building on spare parts and uh, Marshawn Lynch appreciate everything that he has done for the Raiders I'm sure he uh, had a good time living out his childhood dream and being a member of the silver and black but it's now time to turn the page, close that chapter, move on to a new chapter, and Josh Jacobs is going to help the Raiders do that. You combine him with possibly Chris Warren, Jalen Richard for sure, DeAndre Washington probably end up releasing him, uh, Isaiah Crowell just picked up in free agency. I think the running back room just got a whole lot better with the addition of Josh Jacobs. So that's the call. Josh Jacobs, running back out of Alabama, number 24 overall pick for the Oakland Raiders. Okay, the first running back now is off the board. Josh Jacobs out of Alabama. Trevor and Ben in the Locked On NFL draft desk got the breakdown for pick 24 here and Josh Jacobs to the Raiders. Trevor and Ben here from the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast here again to give you some recaps of a few picks in this Locked On mock draft. Number 23 for Houston, they went Dalton Reisner. Uh, we can talk about that a little bit here, but Oakland Raiders... Ended up picking Josh Jacobs. I know you talked about, hey, there were a couple of spots where Josh Jacobs could end up. He ends up not only being RB1, but also a first-round running back. Ben, what do you think about a running back going in the first round, specifically Josh Jacobs? Is it worth it? I mean, if there is a running back who's going to go round one, it is and should be Josh Jacobs. He's the best of, of a bad bunch. 
And absolutely, he has tape that I think is comparable to players that you've seen taken or at least talked about as round one targets before. At 24, it's not like a super big value problem to me. If you, at, By pick 24, you're running out of first-round grades left on the board. So if you have one on Jacobs, he's one of the best players remaining, and it's a big pick for them. I mean, Marshawn Lynch, very likely not to return, was dealing with poor health, has been flirting with retirement. Doug Martin is not a full-time back there. And you know they want to run the football. It's going to be an important part of the Raiders' identity. Jacobs, very versatile guy. He can do a lot of different things for you makes a lot of sense i'd love to see them address some more defensive needs uh maybe with 27 but hey i can't complain draft the good players this certainly makes sense here for the raiders specifically because they have multiple first round picks right it makes it a lot easier to justify taking a running back especially like you just said there this is a good football player right i mean you're drafting a good football player to a team that needs his talent at this position and so Jacobs, I think he plays all three phases of the game really well, not only running, but catching and blocking as well. And so he's the most complete running back that I've got. And I th- I'm with you there. If they're going running back in the first round, uh, Josh Jacobs is their guy to take. Let's talk about Reisner a little bit. I love this dude, man. Um, I was at his combine and, and, and his combine uh, podium. I forgot the word podium there for a second. And I was so impressed with him. People were asking him, hey, why do you love playing on the offensive line? And he gave out the quote, you know, there's nothing like moving a man from point A to point B against their will. And I love that. I just just love that so much because playing offensive line is such a glorious position, right? And you got to do the dirty work and you got to love doing that dirty work. What do you think of Reisner, um, his time at Kansas State, I guess, and what you think his pro outlook is might be a position that he might play best at. Yeah, no, I mean, he's like, he's an angry son of a gun. He's a really type A entertaining sort of a guy who has the personality of an offensive lineman. He's he's vindictive. He's angry. He's violent. It's a ton of fun. Makes a lot of sense for the Texans who right now have a couple of positionless guys who they want to be starters like Martinez Rankin, for example, last year's third round selection. Riser can play so many different spots that when you have multiple gaps on your offensive line like yep. the Texans do, he makes a lot of sense. Yep, I like it. Like the pick a lot. So uh, those are two two really good picks from us. They give us we, We're giving them both the thumbs up. Brian and Matt, back to you guys. Okay, Matt, running back off the board, and it's a very old-school draft for the Raiders. Off-ball linebacker at number four, running back in the first round, and it, I think it's an old-school coaching John Gruden, so these selections kind of make sense. They kind of do. Um, they assigned Isaiah Crowell. Not that that should be a speed bump in drafting a great running back. And I do think Jacobs is a great running back. And he fits today's NFL really well. Really good receiver. A lot of people will knock him and be like, well, he hard- he didn't play all that much at Alabama. And was he even truly the starter? I really think the reality of that situation is if you watch their most important games, he was the one carrying the ball. And there's so many Alabama games where they're winning by 100 at halftime. They're not going to put their best guy in there for the second half. I mean, he's tough. He's physical. Uh, I like it a lot. And I mentioned, you know, surrounding Carr with with weapons and really getting a better – you mentioned this before. What are the Raiders doing? One thing I think that they've accomplished, which is really, really important, is properly setting up Carr that I can truly evaluate him for one year, you know, and there's no more excuses that there's no more protection or no more number one receivers. We've given you everything. Here's the key to the car. Can you operate it properly? And Jacobs is kind of the last piece of that puzzle on offense. And great point about the lack of production. You don't want to hold all of the talent at Alabama against 
this guy who's obviously explosive and obviously mm-hmm. I think pretty clearly the best running back in this draft and the ability he has. But when you have so many other ball carries at Alabama, you know, five-star recruits backing up other five-star recruits, it's almost a good thing that he doesn't have that wear and tear on his tires. Yes, absolutely. And trust me, I was the director of football operations at the University of Akron and the recruiting assistant at the University of Pittsburgh for three years. If we would have had Josh Jacobs, you'd have touched the ball a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, well said. Okay, the Philadelphia Eagles are now on the clock. That selection, along with pick 26 from the Indianapolis Colts, coming up right after this. We have arrived at pick 25 in the Locked On Podcast Network 2019 NFL Mock Draft. The Locked On Eagles Draft Room with the selection. What's going on, everybody? It's Louis DiBiase and Gino Camilleri in the Locked On Eagles war room. So, Gino, we're on the clock here at pick 25, and this class kind of went the opposite of what we were hoping mm-hmm. for, right? The Eagles are looking for offensive line of the future with Jason Peters probably done next year. Defensive line help as well. We need, you know, Brandon Graham we just extended. We do have Vinnie Curry still and Derek Barnett, but our GM, Howie Roseman, even said this is a historic class, but we look at it in 16 linemen went in front of us. I think that's so, the ultimate worst-case scenario that we ran yeah, into here. But at the same time, I think we kind of weighed our options. We were going back and forth between moving up, could we consider it, or trading down. But once we got into the 20s, we really liked the options that were still available when it comes to Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Hakeem Butler, Dalton Reisner, Josh Jacobs, and DK Metcalf, who's still on the board. We felt comfortable that after those guys all fell to the top, you know, into the 20s, that we were going to stay put with this pick. And Josh Jacobs went right in front of us, and he was a player we were really targeting. We thought he could be our version of Alvin Kamara mixed with, you know, LeGarrette Blunt with that power and catch ability. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, a guy we privately worked out. We thought he would have been about a great, versatile piece in this defense. But we're sitting here on the board, and Hakeem Butler went ahead of DK Metcalf. And I know... We have Nelson Aguilar, we have Deshaun Jackson, and Alshon Jeffrey. we got a lot of money invested in this. But this gives us a opportunity to add a rare prospect. There has not been a player like DK Metcalf that's coming to the draft in quite a while, right? So, man, just imagine Metcalf with Alshon and Deshaun Jackson. This could give us the ability, too, that during this draft, if we want to get back in the third round, maybe we can move Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, I think it's not every day that you're sitting there at 25 in any draft and are going to get the far and away number one receiver in the class. And you know, Lou, I've been a big proponent of getting Carson Wentz a young receiver that he can mold to be the guy because we talk about Deshaun Jackson's over 30. Who knows how long Nelson Aguilar is going to be here. Alshon, yes, he's your number one, but he's getting up there in age eventually. Goddard is really the only young Mm long-term solution they have right now in the passing game. If we can add DK... You can't pass up Metcalf here. We we thought do it. when we were in the war room and we kind of saw the board fall, we still expected DK to go in the top 15. I mean, mm-hmm. we can add this kind of athlete to our offense. It just, again, we got to continue to invest weapons around our young quarterback, and especially when we got to extend Carson Wentz in the next year or so, get a DK Metcalf on four years, potentially five years, because that's the big thing too here is we have that fifth-year option. That's a lot of cheap years on a player that could become an elite talent for us so with the 25th pick in the 2019 NFL draft the Philadelphia Eagles select DK Metcalf wide receiver Ole Miss and there ends the fall for DK Metcalf just a freak of nature 
and explosive in a straight line. Some questions about his lateral mobility and questions about production and ability as a route runner. He had the neck surgery that ended his junior season or his redshirt sophomore season, actually. So he's just a pup and he's got his best football ahead of him, a freak of nature athletically. How do you see DK Metcalf? Do you th- I mean, at this point, at pick 25, with all of his physical gifts, you got to take the swing. Yeah, again, I don't think wide receivers is close to their biggest need, but they don't have a ton of needs. And I think it's a case of, I can't believe he's still there at 25. How can we not take the guy that's glaringly the best prospect on our board? And what's interesting about that scheme, and they missed some of this last year. I mean, they've had guys like Mike Wallace, you know, that aren't special players, but they're really fast. And they just brought Deshaun Jackson back. That that scheme really operates best and op- operate and, and you know, creates a lot more space for the Ertz and Jeffries of the world with a true speedster. And in his core, that's what DK Metcalf is. I mean, he is a deep threat, but he's not built like Teddy Ginn or Deshaun Jackson or Marquise Brown. He's built like Tarzan, <laughs> and that's just something that is too good to pass up. If they, and they'll use him properly in a good scheme outside the numbers, but he's 235 pounds. A great thing about players that go at this point in the draft is you don't have to jump in and be amazing right away. So we talked about how raw he is and how he's such a young player still. He's got time to become the guy in Philadelphia. So I think it's a great landing spot with a young quarterback and a great uh, offensive coach. So a good pick by the Eagles there. And I think a great value in selecting a player with the ability and the potential of DK Metcalf. So the final selection of today's show will be the Indianapolis Colts. Before we get to pick 26, let's jump to the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino and their reaction to picks 21 through 25. Okay, Joe. So we kind of tease it at the beginning and it's kind of materialized the way we would have thought. Maybe not the order that these picks would have come off the board. But in the last five picks, we've seen Hakeem Butler, Josh Jacobs, and DK Metcalf come off the board to the Baltimore Ravens, the Oakland Raiders, and the Philadelphia Eagles specifically. Uh, Houston Texans obviously having to address the offensive line. I really like the selection that they made with Dalton Reisner. I think he's a sleeper in this class. He can play inside or outside. It's just a matter for them of you have to add pass protectors and protect your asset and Deshaun Watson. I love that in the face of this run of skill players, the Houston Texans stay true to A, the value on the board off of my personal big board, and B, the need on the roster and address that need in pass protection. Oh, man. Deshaun Watson was welcomed back from his ACL tear by getting sacked 62 times, my man. Yes. And, and so so to see them get a four-year starter in Dalton Risner, a guy that can step in right away and improve at least one spot on this offensive line, it was refreshing to see that happen. After Houston really ignored the offensive line in free agency where they had a lot of resources, a lot of good options to sign, and they basically just signed Matt Khalil coming off injury who's been awful for the last five years i really like this pick of, of dk metcalf to the philadelphia eagles now, this is terrifying dude oh, this, it, this idea is terrifying it is and the nfl let it happen you let carson wentz and doug peterson get dk metcalf maybe not the biggest need but with him being on the board i respect that pick at number 25 yes strictly speaking a best player available a forward-thinking selection which is what good teams do they don't just draft for now They draft for what their needs could be two, three years from now, continuing to give themselves flexibility with their salary cap. The final pick of day four here on the mock draft, Indianapolis Colts are on the clock. Evan Sidery standing by in the Colts 
War Room to make this selection. Hello, everybody. I am Evan Sidery, the host of Locked on Colts and the GM of the Indianapolis Colts today, and you're locked on NFL Mock Draft. And for me, the board broke down really great for me. I think there's five great prospects on the board in no particular order. I think you have Jerry Tillery of Notre Dame, who could fit really well in the defense, alongside Jeffrey Simmons of, of Mississippi State, who tore his ACL. Would have been a top 15 pick if it was for the ACL injury. I think he fits really well in a 4-3 defense alongside a guy like a Danico Autry and a Marcus Hunt. I think he makes a lot of sense as well long-term for them. But we also have other options still on the board. Byron Murphy of Washington, who would be a, a number one cornerback in our system. We also have Jonathan Abram, a hard-hitting safety of Mississippi State, who I think would be a great compliment to Malik Hooker in the back end. And then finally, we also have Noah Fant, the Titan of Iowa. Surprising to some people maybe, but maybe not because Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle are both free agents at the end of next season. So don't be surprised the Colts go tight end early here. But for me, I'm going to go with... I think the best player on the board remaining for the Colts and I think an immediate need and a immediate possible Pro Bowl player in the Colts system, I think that's Jonathan Abram, the strong safety out of Mississippi State. I think, like I said, the perfect complement to Malik Hooker. So we're going to submit our pick in for Jonathan Abram out of Mississippi State. He fits our team because Clayton Gathers, he is a free agent after 2020. He just signed actually a one-year, $1.5 million deal with the Indianapolis Colts to stay there for an extra year. But injury history... He was under Ryan Griggs and the former GM, so he wasn't a Ballard selection. So I could definitely see Chris Ballard going and getting his own hard-hitting safety. And Jonathan Abram reminds me a lot of a lot of players that Ballard has been under, like an Eric Berry, who's a hard-hitting guy. We've also seen Bob Sanders comparisons as well for a guy like Jonathan Abram because of how much of a mauler and how what the intensity and mentality of a guy like Jonathan Abram is. He really fits what Chris Bauer is trying to build in that locker room as well. He wants leaders. He wants immediate production. And Jonathan Abram, I think, checks almost every single box the Colts looking for as far as character and immediate and long-term production on the field. So we are locking in Jonathan Abram, strong safety, Mississippi State to the Indianapolis Colts at 26 overall. And we have another safety off the board now. Jonathan Abram, a very physical, strong safety type. I think he's a player that's got a little helium in the draft process that's rising up draft boards, or at least people are starting to leak information about draft boards and draft media is starting to catch on about how good this player is out of Mississippi State. Matt, what are your thoughts on Jonathan Abram, the hard-hitting safety? Yeah, I like it. I mean, I'm not sure this would have been my pick, to be very honest, especially with Murphy on the board, Tillery on the board, um, Nikhil Harry on the board. Maybe they would have jumped all over Metcalf, you know, or Marquise Brown, I think, would look great there, too, to finish up the offense. But I almost feel like it should be de- best defensive player available, and I could see why Abram would fit that mold for the, in this pick. I mean, again, he wouldn't be my choice, but he wouldn't be far off. And the one thing I do like about it, though, and this is really important, is the Colts are culture building. You know, they had tons of cap space. They're not just going to throw Monopoly money around and grab it, grab players like it's a fantasy team. They've truly built this thing in really impressive fashion, um, ground up, you know, they, they started with, they had luck in place, but now that they have a great offensive line and they have a true foundation and now they're just putting the windows in place and the crown molding and those type of things. But Abram's a real tough guy, leader, locker room presence that is more of a foundational piece. I mean, they're looking for the right types of guys. And I think he fits that mold. Back to Travis Wingfield. He's standing by breaking down wide receivers and defensive backs today. Let's get his thoughts on the last couple of picks. Thanks, Brian. 
The Eagles give Carson Wentz another weapon to play with as the Birds pluck the scouting combine's Colt hero in Ole Miss's DK Metcalf. Metcalf measured and tested like something out of a Marvel movie. He's six foot three, 225 pounds. He ran a 4.3340 yard dash and jumped 40 and a half inches on the vertical jump. The warts, however, showed up in his three cone time, where his official 7.38 time showcased some of the stiffness in his game. He's not a fluid route runner, and he will struggle at the top of the stem of the route, but once he secures the catch, he flies through defensive backfields like Terrell Owens did in his prime. His acceleration and deep ball tracking will certainly jive well with the heroics of Carson Wentz extending plays and going down the field. Metcalf is a pure projection at this point. The traits are eye-popping, but he never produced much at Ole Miss. He only played double-digit games one time and played 21 games total over three years, and his highest yardage output was the 646 yards from 2017. Metcalf joins a receiver's room that already has Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, and Nelson Aguilar. The Colts add a few degrees to the locker room with the ultimate temperature changer in Jonathan Abram. Nobody loves playing the game more than the Mississippi State product, and it shows in the way he flies all over the football field. His versatility is matched only by his ability to smack the ball carrier in the mouth, and for a guy that plays 100 miles per hour, he remains in control and displays excellent tackling technique. Abram's strength is matching up one-on-one in coverage, whether it's in the slot, with the tight end, or on a running back. He's more than capable of blitzing both the strong side and weak side C-gaps, and he provides a tone-setting alpha leader in the middle of the defense. He does struggle, however, to find the ball in the air, and he will get grabby at times in coverage. Abram goes six feet tall, he weighs 215 pounds, and he had two interceptions in his senior season at Mississippi State to go along with three sacks and nine tackles for a loss. This guy will change the way the Colts play defense right in the middle of that defensive backfield. Okay, Matt, that does it for day four. We just have one day left in the Locked On Podcast Network 2019 NFL Mock Draft 21 through 26 now in the books. We've got 27 through 32 to finish things up on Friday's show. What's the big takeaway so far from either from all four days or just from today's program in in picks 21 through 26? Yeah, I mean, starting at 20 there with the Steelers, if to finish up our day two show, we're starting to see this run on defensive backs. And I think that's probably the way the, the things will go. Corners, versatile safeties, there's some more of those guys out there. And then I think there was one or two picks that, you you know, you basically has had, we're trying to chalk that Baltimore's going to take a receiver, Houston's going to take a lineman. Okay, you know, we've kind of been saying that all along. And then you see a pick like Jacobs and Metcalf, at 24 and 25, and I almost think that they were luxury picks. They were too good to be true, couldn't couldn't pass this guy up. They might have been our number one player at those positions on our board. We're just going to snag them and you know, use them like crazy. Yeah, and I'm seeing this wide receiver run. I think teams kind of held their water with wide receivers, and you mm-hmm. started to see that go here on day four, and that might continue – really all the way into day three because of how deep this wide receiver class is. So I think just about every other pick could be wide receiver uh, if we did this mock draft all the way through seven rounds, basically. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of good ones. Uh, you talked about holding their water. The water finally broke on t- broke today You know, with Butler at 22, Metcalf at 25. You, you can only wait so long and look at these guys and be like, yeah, I know there's a lot of receivers, but I can't believe he's still on the board. I got to grab him. Looking ahead to tomorrow's show as we finish up the first round, I know you've mentioned Byron Murphy and Jerry Tillery. I think those are a couple of the best players available. Uh, Any other big names you see jumping off the board to finish up the first round? 
fans for sure. Um, you got to think this is the time where, like we saw with Lamar Jackson last year, where a team trades to get back in the first round for a quarterback, you know, so you have them for five years instead of four, you get that option year. I absolutely could see that with Locke, with Jones, you know, like if the Giants are still couldn't, – couldn't pass on the two defensive players, they want to move up to get a guy like Jones, that would make sense. Um, no offense, a guy that has to come off the board pretty soon. Like if I were ranking best player available, it probably would be Fant. And I happen to know there is a lot of trade talks behind the scenes. So I think we're going to see some of that come to fruition tomorrow. If some of these GMs can come together on some deals. So you're going to want to tune in. Your team might be on the clock between 27 and 32, even if they don't already own that selection. Matt, looking forward to it. Talk to you again tomorrow. Yeah, we will wrap it up tomorrow. This has been really fun. It's been an awesome week. Thanks for listening, and remember, you can subscribe to this show on the new Himalaya Podcast app as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you're in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast. Locked on NFL.